Um, but we are in part three today of our series, Heart, Soul, Mind, and Strength. And we are looking at this idea of how to have a healthy soul, with the understanding of our soul really encompasses our whole self, body, soul, mind, spirit, our will, our emotions, our strength. And it comes from the verse in Deuteronomy when God was giving the law to the Old Testament Israelites. And then Jesus quoted it as well in the New Testament. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, mind, and strength. And what we're doing for this series is we're encompassing all of that and talking about our soul, our whole self. And we want healthy souls, right? Anybody here want to have a healthy soul? I sure do. And there's times where I feel like, man, it just doesn't feel like things are quite right. And our bodies and our minds have a great mechanism in place for letting us know when things aren't quite right. Maybe you're feeling anxious. Maybe your body is just feeling sore or tired or something. That's a sign something's not right. And we have a bad habit of people of just kind of getting used to these symptoms and saying, well, this is just how life's going to be. I'll pop a few extra ibuprofen or we'll, you know, medicate in some way, distract ourselves in some way, rather than getting to the root of the problem, saying maybe we should make some adjustments so that we could have healthy body, soul, mind, spirit, strength. So the series is not... Um, what we're not doing is just giving a recipe for healthy living. This is not Jeff's seven steps to, you know, perfect fitness, because obviously I'm not an expert in those sorts of things. We are doing a soul inventory, and this is going to look different for every person who's here today. But all I'm asking is for all of us over the next few weeks, just ask yourselves some questions. Just allow God to speak to you. Look into his word and in times of prayer, say, God, is there anything that's not working right? Or ask yourselves the question, what in my life is not working right? Am I anxious all the time? Am I fearful? Is my body, is there something that's physically in pain or something that I'm doing mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally? Am I short with people all the time? Am I angry all the time? What is at the root of this? And ask those questions and come to the conclusion, maybe we could make some changes that would bring about great fruit and great results in the months and years to come. We're starting a new decade. We're, you know, 27 days in or whatever the date is today. This is a great time to say, you know what? I want a healthy soul. I want to live and flourish and thrive. So this is what we are doing in this series. We've got a few weeks left. And so far, in case you are new, I'm going to bring you up to speed really quick on what we've talked about so far because there's a couple of really foundational ideas that we have talked about, big things that we need to grasp if we want to kind of understand where this series is going. And the first one is this. A healthy soul is inseparable from a relationship with God. A healthy soul is inseparable from a relationship with God. And I say that because God created you. God loves you. You were made in the image of God. Exactly how you are. God, God knit you together. And so your value and worth, and I want everyone to understand this, your value and worth as a person comes only from that idea that you were made by God right? And we try so often to find value and worth and acceptance in any number of things, don't we? We've all done it. So if we can get this idea that if our whole, our self and our soul is to be healthy, it is anchored in a relationship with God so that we know our acceptance is from him, that we are sons and daughters of God. And that is enough for us to be anchored and confident and approved of because we know that God loves us and that he is working on our behalf. 
And when we get off track in life is when we try to find those things elsewhere. And maybe that's the message that you need to hear today, and that's it. That's all you needed to get out of this sermon was, i got to stop looking for love and approval and acceptance and validation and worth over here because it keeps leaving me empty. I need to find that in a relationship with a loving God. That's the first idea. Second one is this. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of rest, physical rest. Sometimes we just need to rest. God instituted the rhythm of a Sabbath every seven days. Rest. Allow your body to rest physically. Allow your mind to rest. Mental and spiritual rest. It all stems from that relationship with God. Our trust in God, when we trust in God's love and his faithfulness, as we've been singing about today, he's a way maker. We've seen him be faithful in the past. When we trust in his faithfulness and his ability to care and provide and protect, well, then we can rest, right? Because we know we're well cared for. We know that we are well provided for. We can go to sleep at night and not have to solve all of the world's problems as we lay awake anxious because we know God has it. He's got it. He is moving and working. We don't have to work all the time and burn ourselves out because God is providing for us. We can be at rest. So hopefully... Some of you put that into practice this past week and just said, I'm going to take a nap. I know we did that a bit. We were very spiritual in the Kerr house this last week. We took some naps. It was awesome. So those are kind of the two main ideas that we've covered so far. Today, what we're doing is we're asking this question. What's on the inside? What's on the inside? Specifically, what do we put in? And what do we allow to stay on the inside? Okay, what do we put in? And what do we allow to stay? And we're going to look at the inner life, what's going on on the inside. Because we are in a world that is very outside-focused, right? This is the social media effect that we live in. And we all fall victim to this, where if I can just put on a good appearance, if I can look good on the outside, if people can have this perception of me on the outside, well, then they're going to think that everything's fine on the inside. And we spend so much time worried about what the outside looks like how we are viewed by the world, keeping up the right appearance, only to have life falling apart on the inside, but saying as long as it looks good on the outside, we're doing just fine. For a healthy soul, we need to focus on what is on the inside, right? We need to focus on the inside. Side note, public service announcement. Teenagers, teenage boys, it's okay to focus on the outside a little bit, right? A little hygiene is okay. Shower, wash your hair, you know, you, get, you start getting the little, the little chin, whispery, wispy little hairs growing out of there. you got to take care of that. You know, the inside is important, but let's take care of the outside a little bit, right? And men over 45, teenage boys and men over 45, we got to take care of some stuff. The teenage boys, because they're just learning, and men over 45, because we've just stopped caring, haven't we? <laughs> I showed up to Target the other day, early in the morning, and I looked at it, and I've, I didn't even pay attention. And I was walking around the aisles looking for something, and I had on a, like a big red flannel like winter shirt, maroon-colored sweatpants, and big old snow boots, and ugly winter hat. And I looked, and I'm like, oh, man, I have given up. Like, this is bad. I got to... It's not about what's on the outside, but it kind of is a little bit. So teenage boys and men over 45. Men, you got ear hair issues, we got to take care of that, okay? I'm just telling you right now, you got to trim that stuff. Okay, 
That was a side note. That was a public service announcement. Some of the wives are saying amen. The wives and mothers of teenage boys are saying amen. All right, first question. We talked about the two questions we're looking at as we talk about our inner life. What are we putting in? What are you putting into your life? What are you feeding on? What are you putting into your life? This obviously has physical, body, mind, spirit, emotional. Obviously, we can talk about actual food and diet. We can talk about that. We're not going to spend too much time talking on that today because I am not a diet and health expert, obviously. Um, But there are significant and obvious connections between what we feed our bodies and how our bodies are going to feel. It's pretty automatic, right? How we feed our bodies is going to be how we feel. Garbage in, and you will feel the physical results. I'm reading a book um, by Dr. Henry Emmons, and I wanted to read a quote. And he's got two books. One's called The Chemistry of Joy, and one's called The Chemistry of Calm. And I'm reading through The Chemistry of Calm. He talks about depression and anxiety and all the body chemicals that are at work, all the body chemistry that it is at work, and how different chemicals get uh, implemented into our bodies at different times, and how our diet, how our thoughts, how everything that we do affects these things. And I wanted to read this quote. It's a long quote. It's going to be up on the screen. Hopefully you can see it. Can we throw that first quote up there? This is um, him talking about, this is Dr. Henry Emmons. I want to read this quote from The Chemistry of Calm. I know we're all born with a certain genetic makeup that can cause more mental illness problems for some of us than others. But beyond what we're born with come the choices we make and the world we're surrounded by. The poor quality of food available to most of us, vegetables and fruits grown in mineral-depleted soil, animal products laced with hormones, processed, oh, I did it again, processed foods, processed foods laden with refined sugars and saturated in unhealthy fats, industrial, agricultural, environmental toxins, threatens our mental as well as our physical health. Our brain is literally affected by the poisons that surround us, which promote inflammation, impede adrenal gland function, and burden our brain chemistry in a thousand different ways. That is Dr. Henry Emmons, who obviously is the life of the party wherever he goes, right? You don't want to invite him to your potluck dinner, I'm sure. But he brings up a valid point. For many of us, for some people here today, you are feeling physically, emotionally, and mentally fatigued, and it is in no small part due to what you are feeding yourself, what you put in, will affect you. This is the whole theme of today. What you put in affects you. Don't just settle. Look into it. Make some changes. Maybe there's something that you could change as far as your diet or what you eat or what you put in that would have amazing effects. We have a good friend that years and years ago, she was struggling with just uh, joint inflammation. She thought, I'm very young, but it feels like I'm getting arthritis. And she made a change in her diet. And that went away, and it was like night and day difference. I have another friend I was talking to a couple of weeks ago. He cut out refined sugars out of his diet, and he said, instantly I was just thinking so much more clearly. It was amazing. And and so um, there's not a recipe that's going to apply to everybody. All I'm saying is there might be something that you could cut out or something that you could add that would have great results. Why would we not try some of these things? So that's all we're going to talk about, about physical diet. Now what about our mental diet? What are we filling our minds with? Because often this is way more toxic than what the food we're eating is doing to us. What are we filling our minds with? Think about the media that you consume on a weekly basis. If you have a steady diet of media filth, you will feel the effects. You're going to feel the physical effects. 
You're going to feel the mental effects. If you have a diet of explicit sexual media, movies, or internet, or literature, you will be affected by this. This is not harmless. The world is going to give you a lie that says, oh, looking at these things online, it's just harmless pleasure. It is not. It will affect you. It will rewire your brain chemistry. It will affect you physically. If you're married, certainly it is going to affect your marriage. If you fill your mind with a steady diet of conflict or negative drama or gossip, our culture is ridden with conflict, right? You turn on, if you have a steady diet of political talk radio or cable news, it's a steady diet of let's put two people together on the opposite sides and just have them yell at each other and we'll uh, get good ratings for an hour. If you have a steady diet of that, it's going to affect you. Our, our culture is laced with conflict. What you put into your mind is the chief influence of what's going to impact your life. If you put garbage in, it's the same as a physical diet. You're going to feel the effects. We're going to read a few scripture verses here. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. He's talking about the false prophets, the people who look good on the outside, but they're all darkness on the inside. Now, the lesson here, though, is for all of us, what's on the inside is going to come out on the outside. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, it says this, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Figs from thistles is a, is a hard thing to say. Imagine saying that five. Go ahead and try to say that five times fast. Really, try it. It's pretty tough. Figs from thistles. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? <laughs> Likewise, every good tree, here's what I want you to get. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Now, this is not Jesus saying some of you are just bad people. What Jesus is teaching is what you have on the inside is going to be the fruit that's on the outside. If you're darkness on the inside, that's the fruit that's going to be on the outside. You can't hide it. The fruit is going to come out. In James chapter 3, it says the same idea. James chapter 3, verse 9 through 12. And, and James says this, With the tongue we praise the Lord, praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. It's the same idea. Jesus would teach in the book of Matthew, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The lessons are there throughout scripture. What is on the inside is going to come out in the fruit, in the words that we say. Um, Christy works for the president of North Central University, Scott Hagen, and he says this. I've heard him say it a number of times. What fills, spills. What fills you up is going to be what spills out. If you're driving in rush hour traffic and you say some choice words to somebody who's moving too slow in the fast lane and you find yourself thinking, man, where did that come from? That was in you. That's the whole point. What fills you up is what spills out in times of tension or conflict. 
if you're looking at the fruit of your life and saying, why am I doing all these things? Why is the fruit of my life so disastrous, conflict or violence or anger or whatever it is? It's because that is what is filling you up on the inside. we got to take care of the inner life. This is what Jesus taught. If you want to see the fruit of someone's life, you're going to know what's going on on the inside. So again, do some inventory with your mind. What are you putting in? What are you putting in? What are you filling your mind with? It might be time for some physical rest. It might be time for some mental rest. From diet to media to relationships to all of these things, maybe just one change could lead to amazing results. Maybe just getting rid of something could lead to a huge difference in your life. It could be social media. It could be Netflix or Toxic friendships or high fructose corn syrup. It could be any number of things that would lead to great results. Why would we not just say, if this is going to lead me to have a healthy, flourishing, thriving soul, every part of me, why would we not do it? Why would we just spend our days masking the symptoms when we can get to the root of the problem? Remove something and see if you feel any different. This week in the Kerr house, we are going screenless for a week. I've given the kids fair warning, but truth be told, I'm more scared than the kids are about going screenless for a week. Now, I know they'll have homework and they can get on their iPads for homework. But uh, we're going we're gonna to try it out. We're going to see if we feel any different. Getting rid of social media for a week. Getting rid of the mind-numbing television or whatever it is that we watch on TV. And I say that to say this, parents... We're going to need to help our kids out a little bit with their mental diet, with what they are putting in. We are the gatekeepers of what comes into our house. Fathers, you are the spiritual gatekeeper of what media comes into your house. If you had a guy, you had a guy breaking into your house who wanted to harm your kids, you would be the first to stand in front of them and say, you're not getting into my house. But you are allowing, and maybe some of you dads are bringing in the darkness in media. You're allowing that darkness to come into your house. we got to be a gatekeeper to our house, to our family, parents, Protect the kids. We have to protect their mental diet as much as their physical diet. We tell our kids all the time, eat your vegetables. we got to do the same thing for their minds and their spirits. So that was the first question today. What are you bringing in? And the second question is this. What are we allowing to stay? We bring things in. What are we allowing to stay on the inside? And this, again, has more to do with our thoughts. What do you keep holding on to? What are your patterns of thinking? Where does your mind naturally go? Where does your mind dwell? If you put like a, graphed out your average thoughts throughout the day, where, what are those? Are those negative? Are they down? Are they down about yourself or others? Are they always thinking negative or seeing the worst case scenario? Are you the, wor- are you the most negative voice in your own life, ridiculing yourself? Are you always thinking there's bad ahead, there's, you know, the other shoe's going to drop, or you're always seeing the worst in other people? Where do your thoughts settle? Where do they stay fixed? If you're constantly thinking negatively, that affects you physically. That'll rewire your brain. There's tons of research about this. You can cause the brain to send out different chemicals depending on what you're thinking about. So if you're always thinking about negative or anxious things or conflict, your brain is going to think, we talked about this week one, it's that fight or flight, that cortisol chemical. Your brain is going to think, we're, we're in the midst of a conflict. we got to gear up for a fight. And you're constantly going to be feeling that way, and it's going to affect you physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And another lie that we believe in our world is that this is out of our control. 
It's just how I am. It's just how my brain works. I'm just a negative person, right? I'm just anxious. I just think negatively all the time. Our brains learn, here's the truth, our brains learn what thoughts are allowed to remain. Our brains are wired because we've trained them by the way we think. And our minds and our brains can be trained to think differently. Now, again, this isn't going to happen at the snap of a finger or the reciting of a Bible verse. This is going to take some work to learn how to think differently. We can change our diet or get rid of screens for a week way easier than we can change how we think because that has been years and years of patterns of thought and our brains have gotten used to it and now it's just automatic. But with anything else, we can rewire our brains by thinking differently, by declaring what we know in the truth of God's scripture, singing these songs to ourselves that we were singing today. I've seen you move mountains and I know you can do it again. We don't believe the lies, but we, we ask ourselves, is God at work? Is there beauty in our world? Is there good to celebrate? Is there a reason for joy? And are there better days ahead? And because of a faith in God, we can say, yes, we believe it. We've seen him be faithful. We've seen him move mountains. We know that our hope lies in better days ahead. This is what faith in Jesus Christ does. This isn't, we're not just coming to church for good feelings and kicks and giggles. This is practical things that we can have in our life that change the way we think, that allow us to walk in victory, right? Because we know there's better days ahead, that God is working, there is reason for joy, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. I wanted to read a couple verses out of there, if I can find it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. It says this. Since you have been raised with Christ, so talking about those who are followers of Jesus, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. And I underlined this. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In other words, you are living as new creations. Set your minds on things above. Begin to think about someone, or begin to think as someone who is a new creation. I underlined that phrase, set your mind. That comes from the Greek word, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the Greek word that was used then and translated to set your minds is the Greek word, and I am not a Greek expert, zetao. Say, everyone say zetao. Okay, zetao. It's passive. It's not a passive word. It's not just randomly think. That Greek word is the same word that is used anytime or most of the times in the New Testament where the word seek is used. So seek or investigate, inquire, be resolute, be determined. Something it's like you're looking for something important. Set your minds there. Be active in it is what it's saying. This isn't going to be something that just happens. Set your minds there. Seek after it. Inquire, work at it. Be resolute and determined. The parables that Jesus would tell in the New Testament, the parable of the lost sheep, for example, where the shepherd noticed that he's got 100 sheep and 99 are safe and one is gone, and he goes and he seeks after the lost sheep as something important. That's that same Greek word, zetao. It's something important. Go and find it. Be resolute and determined. This is the idea of a mind that is steadfast and set on things above. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Again, that same idea, 
steadfast in your thoughts. This is going to take work. It's important. Work at it. Set your minds on positive things, worship-filled things, godly things, because it's worth it. It says that he will keep you in perfect peace, and we would love to be in perfect peace, right? Not be so swayed by the cares and the fears of the world. He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, because they have learned to trust in him. They have learned to set their minds on things above. It is a mind that is determined and fixed on God. And that is how we're going to experience peace in our life. Now, I know, and I've experienced this, I know there are times when peace comes into our minds or into our lives, and it's like we are just flooded with supernatural peace. And Scripture talks about that. There's a peace that passes understanding that even when our minds aren't resolute and determined that God still floods us with peace in the midst of a harmful or an anxious circumstance. I've experienced this, and I know a lot of you have as well. But more often, what we read in Scripture, more often a peaceful mind comes when we have learned to be steadfast in our thoughts, right? More often our mind is at peace when we have learned and we have set our minds on who God is and the reality of his power and his might. And when we have trained our minds not to be caught up in the quick, anxious thoughts of this person doesn't like me, there's conflict here, I'm feeling fearful about this, my world is falling apart, what about the future, how are we going to provide there? Those are all, there's no shortage of ways that we can think anxious thoughts about those things, right? We spend our days and our nights thinking about those things. We as children of God and new creations need to set our minds on the truth of God. He is our provider. He is watching over us. He is working in this circumstance. In this circumstance with my family that I can't figure out, he is at work because he loves my family more than I do. He's at work in your circumstance. We set our minds there. Is this making sense, right? We set our minds there. And this is how we will be at perfect peace. We learn how to do it. And I know we don't like to think that way. We want the quick answer, right? We want to go to the health club and work out once and look at this. Wow, look at the results. Or we want to take a pill and be like, wow, look at all these results. There is the hard reality that this is something that we got to work at and discipline ourselves in how we think. Faith isn't just, you know, like the morphine drip where you click the button in the hospital and the painkillers come your way. Oh, we need more painkillers, Lord. No, this is a set your minds be resolute and determined to fix your thoughts. Don't allow those anxious thoughts to stay. But fill your mind, fill your soul with thoughts about who God is. And I have one final thought today as we wrap up. And this is, again, regarding something that we allow to stay in our hearts that should not stay there. Something that we allow to remain, we allow in, and that's unforgiveness and bitterness. Unforgiveness and bitterness for something that has been done to you in the past. Maybe you're here today and you are dealing with the fruit of a terrible choice that somebody else made in your life. And the reason you're feeling anxious is because somebody else made a terrible choice and they brought harm to you. And there's bitterness there and there's unforgiveness there. That is something that you're allowing, and I'm going to say this plainly and honestly, you're allowing that to remain. And some of you are like, I'm not allowing it to remain. I wish I could get rid of it. You can. This is the new creation in Jesus Christ. And this is something that I think some of you hold on to because you're just comfortable with it. You've gotten comfortable with the bitterness and the unforgiveness. I wanted to read a, a passage from Luke chapter 17 
It really illustrates what I'm talking about. This is Jesus talking about the importance of forgiving those who have harmed you and not harboring a grudge or bitterness. Luke chapter 7, verse 3 through 6 says this. Jesus is teaching here. So watch yourselves. Oh, I got the other translation here. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. So right there, the disciples would have been thinking, whoa, 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 seven times in a day? There's no way. Like, that's crazy talk. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. So they're saying, you know, how do we do that? Increase our faith, because there's no way we could do that. The Lord answers, if you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry, and I put in brackets there, a sycamine tree. May you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. So I want to keep that verse up there for a minute. Because in the, orig- the translation that I read, it said, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and thrown into the sea if you just had faith. So we look at that and we think, well, Jesus is teaching, if you had faith, you could say to your bitterness and unforgiveness, as deeply rooted as it is, get out of here and it would obey you. But there's so much more that Jesus is teaching that's lost that I was reading through and I found it so interesting this week. Because the original word would have been a word for a sycamine tree, which is a different, you know, some translations say a mulberry tree, but a sycamine tree was different. And that was the original word that Jesus said. He was referring to a very specific tree. And some of you said, I thought you said this was going to be interesting. Um, He's referring to a sycamine tree, okay? And the audience who was hearing Jesus would have known exactly what he was talking about. And he was talking about, and I'll get to more of that in a second, but he was talking about bitterness harboring a grudge, and allowing that to remain in your life. Bitterness will eat away at you from the inside. It's going to eat you away on the inside. And some of you have experienced that. And this will have effects physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Have you ever been around someone or been close to someone who just had a grudge that they could not get rid of? And every conversation went back to what that person did. And it's like it's swallowing them up. And the tragedy of that, yes, the tragedy is that something hurtful happened to them. But what's worse than that is now, not only has that affected them in that moment, it's now affecting them for the rest of their life. They cannot move past it. Jesus is teaching bitterness is going to eat you away if you don't let it go. It's going to infect every part of your life and rob you of joy, any joy moving forward. And all you can do in this moment is say, I know something lousy happened to me in the past, but my decision is, all I can decide is today, how do I want the rest of my life to be? Do I want to live in that bitterness or do I want to live in new creation joy that Jesus offers? One big misconception that we have about forgiveness is that it's letting somebody else off the hook. And we like to think, I am not forgiving them because I am not letting them off the hook. They did something to me, and I'm going to make them pay for the rest of their life. The misconception is that somehow you're harming them by doing that. You're harming yourself when you do that. The only person that gets let off the hook when you forgive someone is you. You're releasing that anger and that bitterness, and you're saying, as bad as that was in the past, it is not going to rob me of the rest of my life. So we are allow- we're asking ourselves the question, what are we allowing to stay on the inside of us? What are we allowing to stay on the inside of us? And for some today, it's bitterness from what someone did to you, and it's not hurting them. The bitterness is like a poison in your life. So back to that sycamine tree that Jesus was talking about. Jesus is comparing bitterness to a very specific tree. 
And this was one that the audience would have known what he is talking about. Because there are a few things about this sycamine tree that are very interesting when you hear him talking about it in regards to bitterness and unforgiveness. One thing that the sycamine tree was known for was that it was quick growing and it would have very deep roots. Does that sound like anger and bitterness and unforgiveness? Deep roots. Another thing the sycamine tree was known for is that the fruit was bitter. It looked the same as the fruit on the mulberry tree, but people would eat this fruit and realize, this is bitter. I don't want to eat that. Again, bitterness, unforgiveness in our life. We're going to have bitter fruit on the outside. People are going to look and say, well, that looks like a nice person. Oh, man, there's a lot of bitterness there. There's deep roots. It grows quickly. There's bitter fruit that looks like the rest, but it is sour to eat. And one other thing that the sycamine tree was known for is that it was the tree, the preferred tree for people to make caskets out of. And I'm not making it up, right? This is what the sycamine tree was used for because it grew so quickly because the wood was the right whatever of wood, to make a casket. So it was associated with death. Deep roots, bitter fruit, leading to death. This is what Jesus is teaching us about bitterness and unforgiveness. This is what he's teaching us. You're going to allow that to remain in your life, and it is going to choke the life out of you. Don't allow it to remain. Again, you're going to be like the disciples and say, Lord, you're going to need to increase my faith because I've been holding on to this grudge for 10, 20, 30 years. But there's power in Christ. There's power in his Holy Spirit in us to, get, to uproot these things. Jesus says, all you need is some faith to say, Lord, I want to get rid of this. Allow me to get rid of this in my life and allow me to learn how to retrain my thoughts, not always going to that path of bitterness and unforgiveness, but allowing myself to forgive that person, find new life, and allow the rest of my life to have fruit that is flourishing and thriving and a joy that is evident. So as we wrap up today, here's what I want to do. And in a minute, we're going to close, and I would love it if some of our prayer team members in a minute could just come up, because I think there's probably people here that you just need to spend some time in prayer. And it could be, we're going to have some music playing, and we're going to kind of keep this a place where if you wanted to stay, you could come up and have someone pray for you, something specific. If you just wanted to stay in your seat and just pray. But this is the moment where we need to allow God to do a little work in our heart. What is it in your life that what are you allowing in and what are you allowing to remain in? Physical things, mental, spiritual, relational, media. What are the poisons that you are allowing into your life that you need to get rid of? They're having an effect. Is it explicit media that you just need to get rid of? Is it unforgiveness for a hurt that's been caused by you? Is it relationships that are constantly negative or constantly foul or just relationships that are not bringing you closer to God? Are you just cynical or negative or always feeling the, fearing the worst? Let's do this. Let's bow our heads and just take a few minutes to pray. Holy Spirit, we're asking you just to speak to hearts. I can list off a bunch of hypotheticals here, but God, you know every heart. You know every motive. You know every hurt. And it's amazing to me, God, that your love is still there. Your love is there, even though you know every deep, dark secret we have, every dark part of our heart and our soul. So, Lord, do a work. In every person here, I imagine there's a different message that you can communicate. What do you want us to get rid of? What are we allowing in that has no place in our hearts as a son or a daughter of God? What are we holding on to that you want us to let go of? 
You're saying there is life ahead if you would just let go of this. If you just let go of this, stop grabbing onto this so tightly. If you just let go and trust that God is at work, that he is moving, that he is bringing redemption and healing. There's so much good ahead if you would just trust in God and set your mind on the things of God and be resolute in your thoughts and get rid of some of the poisons that you are allowing in over and over and over again. Holy Spirit, do that work, we pray. And God, I know there are people here that have had deep wounds and hurt that have been brought to them, and I'm praying for a supernatural healing. I'm praying for some of that supernatural peace that you promise, that you would bring healing to those wounds, that you would bring wisdom on how to move forward, that you would allow faith to rise up knowing that you are good and there is good ahead. There is beauty ahead. Our best days are ahead. So Lord, we want to retrain our thoughts. We want to watch what we're putting in. And anything that's in us that we should not be allowing to remain, we let that go and we allow you to take that away, God. We release it. We release it. We forgive those who have hurt us. We release that bitterness, that grudge, that area of darkness in our life that is somehow comforting to us even though it's poisoning us. We release it. We release it. A chemical that we are looking to to allow us to feel better. We release it. We want to find our acceptance and our life in you and in nothing else. We release it, Lord. Just wherever you're at right now, whatever God's putting on your heart, just release it. Just imagine your hands opening up and just saying, God, take that. I'm, I'm letting that go. I'm letting that go. It's not doing me any good. So Holy Spirit, just do that work in every heart. We want to be healthy souls. We want to represent you as fully alive, thriving sons and daughters of God. So do that work, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.